This is the Cop Think Podcast, where we answer the question, why do the police do what they do? I'm the host, Brian Casey, and my guests are Jen Fry and Darren McDonald, two St. Paul cops who I think you're working afternoons. I can't remember. I can't keep track. Jen, what, what shift are you working? I'm on days. Daytimer mm-hmm. in Central. Mm-hmm. Rice Street? Yes. Mostly? Yeah. And I am early start afternoons. Yeah. Wow, you got a good radio voice here. Thank you. <laughs> Early start. That's so you get out at midnight then, or whatever. Correct, that okay. is. All right. And you're FDO in right now. I am. Both are. Oh, are you? I just finished. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you like that part of the job? You like when it's over? No, I mean, there's definitely stronger points to it. Uh, being able to help and mold officers to be successful and safe out on the streets probably the negative side would be the paperwork and the follow-through is a little more tedious especially Mm -hmm. when you have a recruit or probationary officer that is doing very well that probably does not need as much documentation yeah yeah i guess if your fdo is doing lots and lots of writing that's not a good sign necessarily Correct. No. Yeah. You know, there are some people I know that we worked with that are like specialized with tr- people that are struggling. Boy, do I admire those folks for doing that. You know, that take on someone that uh, they're reevaluating or whatever. So, for sure. Yep. Yeah. So, and it's going okay for you? Yeah, I just finished. Um, they sort of expedited the lateral officers who had like X amount of years of experience. Sure. Um, just to kind of push them through just yeah. because the rest are kind of lagging behind because of the coronavirus. So yeah. everything's been extended except these folks. So I got out relatively early. Great. Darren, you've got a while to go. Still have four weeks yeah. left. Huh. I, um, I'm glad we got this academy. I mean, some agencies had to cancel their academies because of this. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the, this is what the topic was. So I'll just t- I, sometimes I have a theme or a topic, and today I was thinking, or for this one, um, some people said, why don't you have any female officers on the podcast? And I thought, oh, didn't I? I, I wasn't really paying attention. So then I thought, well, I really wanted to talk to some female officers that are patrol officers, and they're all such delicate flowers that none of them would get on and talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think you were like, no, I don't want to talk. I don't want to go on that. And that's what everybody said, all, yeah. the, all the people I talked to. So the way I, and I wanted to get Darren on as well. And I thought, oh, I got it. Maybe I can get both of you on at one time. So that's what we're doing. How do you guys know each other? We met in the academy. Yeah. Really, we're from the same class. Really? Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you guys get along, instantly like each other? Or you... No, I, my philosophy for the academy was kind of flying under the radar. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't make too many waves, and I kept myself quiet. And same. Kind of saw people in the class, and I'm like, okay, I could really vibe with that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to make any waves and no me neither it's just like head down and get through it uh i don't miss it yeah i i did not like the academy no me neither yeah i um fto was fine mm-hmm. uh working was great i hated the academy mostly agreed it was um i'm grateful for it though i mean mm-hmm. when you think about some of these cops that go out there without it 
it's like a, a mini cop class school, you know, and, and all that, the academy. So, But I didn't like it at all. Darren, you, what did you think? No, I mean, I with me being a uh, liaison officer three years ago up in the academy, and from when I we went through what's almost going on 13 years now, the evolution of the academy has changed so much. Yeah, It's more education-based, and it's more for lack of better words, more like a college setting mm-hmm. where I think where me and Jen and even you probably went through a more paramilitary style yeah. where it was expectations. And if you didn't make those expectations or if you were falling behind, people got in your face and you get called out. Yeah. Called out for it. And I was a grown man. I didn't need that kind of academy. That wasn't the <laughs> academy, the type that I needed. It Correct. Wasn't, and, yeah. I, and maybe some people need that. And, and actually, I, I, I grew and benefited from some of that for sure. But overall, it wasn't my kind of deal. Agreed. Huh. Yeah. But I learned a lot, so we got through it. Yeah. What, um, um, another thing I know, so you guys were pals. Did you work together too? Right, I, not right out of the gate, because you were in East, is that where you started? Correct. Yeah, yep. and I was in Central. Okay. But it wasn't until we went to West, I believe. All right, good. And then started writing together. I don't know if, that's something that I think, when I think of you two, I think of you two as, you ready? Uh-oh. Independent thinkers. You seem to think very independently. 100%. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah really? 100%. Mm-hmm. Darren, I think you you uh, are uh, you have a, a social media presence. You uh, yeah, frequently you rent, you let people know your opinion on this and that. It's it's actually pretty impressive. And then Jen, I don't know if you do that, but I think uh, I've seen you at the HQ desk uh, you know, uh, and re- reading books and It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Interesting books and watching yeah. um Interesting television, and I don't know. I just get the impression that you are a real independent thinker as well. I try to be, so yeah. I hope so. So what's the, there's got to be an up and down side of being an independent thinker in this kind of business. No, and along those lines, not to segue in something else, I mean, at least we were like very strong Democrats in a very Republican... Yes. Uh world that law enforcement is yeah so it's it's interesting coming with maybe i don't want to say the word socialism because it's not the word socialism but to have maybe more cares for the environment and people around us and stuff like that where maybe uh, some of our co-workers are more strong-lined and we're definitely, there's a, a stark contrast, I would say, politically. Probably. Really? Like, okay, so you're, you're thinking more aligned with, uh, you, you, I think you said Democrats. Is probably. Yeah. And, and getting into this profession, I was probably much, much more liberal than I am now. Same. I, I'm definitely now a strong, moderate uh-huh. Democrat. Yeah. yeah. So I've probably aligned more towards the center then probably our coworkers have lined to the center. So your your changes both evolved regarding that. I think so. Well, I I was twenty three years old when I started too. So I was very like pie in the sky, 
Sure. I ha- very idealistic. Yeah. And well, this job will kind of shatter that a little bit. Yeah. So I guess over the years, as I've gotten older. Yeah. So so you were more idealistic, uh, which this may be an evolution for everybody mm-hmm. throughout their lives, right. whether you're in law enforcement or not. Right. You, you, your thinking evolves, but what are, what what have you noticed? What, I mean, do you think back at some think ways of thinking? You're like, ugh. I can think back of ways I used to think and express those thoughts, and I'm actually embarrassed for some of them. You know, the same. And it thank just, God there wasn't social media when I was doing them. Right. I just. I guess it was just. I was naive. I suppose as any early twenty-something. Sure. So you're is. only twenty-three when you got on the job. Yes. So what were you doing before? In college or? Yeah, just finishing up school and working, kind of shitty Joe jobs to get through. Uh huh. And. Yeah, this was the ultimate goal. So being a cop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what you wanted for a long time. Since I was little. Yeah. Yes. Why do you suppose that is? I don't know. I, you know, I was always fascinated by it. I, I grew up in Saint, and I always wanted Saint Paul. Yeah. So I grew up in Saint Paul until I was about ten, and then we moved out to the suburbs. But I just was I always fascinated by it. Um, we kind of lived in a. I guess it would be like a PC way to say it. it was like a transitional neighborhood in St. Paul at the okay. time. So it sure. was, we would see police often and I just, I, I thought it was the coolest thing on earth. So. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say because you wanted to beat up hippies when you got there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you saw the police and you identified with them. Uh, did, did you, do you remember any interactions with cops that you later met? Like as a child, yeah. Well, my my parents do, but in like 1993, and it's a long story. I won't get into it. But my dad was a victim of an assault in our right outside our house, and he always mentioned this one officer who was really decent to him and listened to him, and some others who weren't so great. And it it ended up being John Peck, which doesn't surprise me. And then he ended up being one of my bosses, which is kind of a cool yeah. full circle thing. But so that was a, that was a positive experience, at least knowing about that growing up. And I want, you know, as a kid, I once called 911 just to see what would happen and hung up and somebody came. I'm kind of curious who it was, but did you have to put that I got in, in so your, much trouble. your background packet? <laughs> I did. I did not <laughs> disclose that. No. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Uh, the, now, um, now I'm fired. You know, and your dad saying that, uh, so this, the fact that your dad had this good experience with this officer, mm-hmm. turns out it was John Peck. Mm-hmm. Um, did he say that, or did you witness it, or, or how did you know about that? I mean, I, he said it after the fact. I remember the day. I mean, it was a nightmare mess of a day, like a complete melee. And But I was real little. I was yeah. like eight or nine. So you were frightened. Mm-hmm. For your, your yeah. But my dad since has talked about this one officer, and I was able to get the reports, the handwritten reports yeah. from 1993, yeah. and I found out who it was through that, yeah. which was kind of cool. Yeah, did you guys talk? Did you talk to him about it? I did. He's he was really nice. I mean, he's like, I, I know, I don't remember. Of yeah. course not. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't really remember. They all kind of blend together, all the calls. But sure, sure. But he I seemed. Guess- it, it, he, thought it was cool i'm guessing that a kid's gonna look at that and go wow there's a lot of ways a people a person can be a cop 
and impact people. Mm-hmm. And look at this guy. He did this and did that and it impacted my dad, who I love and who I was scared about and, right. and got mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. So when you're on calls, when you see little kids, do you interact with them at all? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you try to. Yeah. Try to make it somewhat normal because it's always, not always, but usually. Well, not even on intense things, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love doing that. You know, I used to, you know, just go up and visit with kids staring at car wrecks because that used to be me, you know. Yeah. And I'd walk up and talk to them and we'd make observations. And, and even on, I remember one that was, um, I could uh, uh, like a home invasion a guy shot somebody and all this and we're in there and trying to gather some information i was for squad trying to get out a, a description and stuff and there was this little child there dry mm-hmm. heaving you know so overcome with the stress of the event and i remember just trying to i think you said um or you started to, it suggests that you know you kind of want to normalize not that you can normalize this you want to normalize right. the reality of their experience i guess a little bit but mm-hmm. so anyway good how about you, Darren? What what were you doing before you got into in the biz? So, uh, so my father <laughs> passed away at an early age for me. Passed away when he when I was twenty one. I'm still in college. I thought because it was my mom, my sister, and I. I thought because I was the man of the house, I needed to start making a salary. So I got into the, the wonderful world of real estate. I was a realtor for 12 years before I even went back to college and got my degree for law enforcement. Yeah, so 21, really, did your dad die suddenly? Or? No, he had stage four cancer. Okay. And, I mean, we were lucky enough. He lasted 11 months. So it wasn't quickly, but... We got to spend some quality time with them. I don't know what they're. <laughs> Cancer know what, sucks. What, what the age that yeah. that's just not a painful yeah. story. I will tell you that I can I can think of uh, several St. Paul cops who have lost their fathers at a young age, and I don't know. I, I just I, I don't I can't talk about it because I, I haven't had that experience. But no, I I would say maybe the only thing, well, not the only thing. Like, like the biggest regret is him not seeing me as as a law enforcement officer and what I've become. Yeah. Because I would say I'm pretty successful at life, and, and life is good for the most part. Yeah. For that, for him to see me now. I, I in this role. I I get I get it. Um, we had no, Mark May was here last week and we did one and he was talking about something his mother always used to say to him. And something about, oh, if his mother could be out there working. I said, well, she kind of is because you're repeating her statements. So I imagine some of your, do you ever notice your father's mannerisms come out in your speech or behavior at all? No, I'm I'm definitely a clone of my mom. Really? Definitely a clone. So. Yeah. Huh. So your mom and your sister, you made a big grown-up sacrifice to go, whoa, okay, I got to take care, I got to. I'm not saying take care of them, but I got to. No, I'm, I mean, I, I felt. Remove myself from my somewhat own Somewhat responsible to prove myself that I'm a worthwhile male in the house and yeah. I can make a decent career. Sure. So you did the real estate and uh, made the best of that. Maybe you were successful, but there was a part of you that wanted something different, or did you get forced out of that kind of career? No, so I'm law enforcement. I've been going through childhood. 
going through high school, always wanted to be law enforcement. I grew up in Prairie Lake, it's kind of a smaller town, especially smaller back then. Yeah. Before the mega casinos down there. Uh, and, and when I looked at cops, cops were someone that you respected back in the day. Yeah. They carry a lot of gratitude and they were pillars in the community. Uh, so then I was a realtor, uh, got my broker's license, was successful uh, just before the real estate collapse back in 2008. They were talking about the bubbles coming and it's going to burst. I'm like, okay, maybe this is my chance to actually do what I wanted to do. And that was to be a, a, a cop. So then I went back to school and I went back to Normandale. As a 35-year-old male, and if you ever go to Normandale, it is high school seniors trying to get their accelerated programs and 18, 19-year-olds. So here's me uh, just sitting in a class full of people that could care less about being there. And I'm like, okay, this is my one shot if I want to do it. Yeah, yeah I, well, I know that experience myself even to a little more of an extreme, but the, um, I remember even in being in college when I got out of high school and went to college, the older students, I, I noticed their efficiency and their, and I don't know if determination was, but they were just so much more clear minded about what they were doing, why they were there. And they were, and they, and they were relaxed and just straightforward. Oh, and, I, th- I think for older, it's a choice to be there yeah. where younger youth, feel obligated that they have to yeah. graduate high school and go to college. So both you, how long have you guys been cops? Tell me, I forget. Coming on 13 years in October. Mm-hmm. So where year. did that, um, and then you were both on Midnight's for a while? You, yes. You worked for Peck, you were, and then I remember you were just till relatively recently, Darren. Yeah, so my first few years I was on East Days. My second year I did West Days. Yeah. That went to midnight. What's changed for you guys since you got off midnight? Uh, my mood is a thousand times better. Yeah. And I feel better. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, Darren, but I was, I would get sick all the time, like colds and stuff. So I don't miss that, but I do miss the shift. It was a really fun time. I think it's the best shift if you can tolerate it physically. Mm-hmm. And even if you can't tolerate it physically, yeah. <laughs> you're willing to endure it for right. a period of your right. life. Right. Darren's much tougher than I am. And for me personally, if I could, if they gave me the option today, I'd go back to my nights yeah. today. Yeah. I believe it. I love that shift. I love the type of calls. And actually, I work better for family life as weird as it may seem, than the afternoon shift. Yeah. Afternoons are the worst. No, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. We were able to make afternoons work for me because uh, I, I live close to work, and um, <laughs> we'd have family dinners at 3.30 in the afternoon. I bet. <laughs> yes. I bet. And I'd blast out of here and get to roll call on time and all that. So that was during the summer, obviously. So, um, so you've been bo- doing it for 13 years. You've only been St. Paul Cobbs. Um, wh- where do you think you are in your trajectory of skill and ability? Oh my God, I don't know. Uh, like where we are compared to where we began, sort well, of, I or just where thir- we are and where we'll be currently. I don't know. 
Maybe it's a dumb question. No, so uh, as I take that question, I, I would say I am a pretty damn good cop out there. Yeah. That I like to stay busy, that I can handle most everything that's thrown at me. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, definitely calls that I hate going to. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the good part of working with a tight group yeah. that you get to know. Everyone has strengths and weaknesses. People like going to certain types of calls that I don't like, and we can piggyback right. off each other and say, okay, if you could please take this call for me, I'll, I'll take your next two yeah. whatever calls. Yeah. Bargaining. Last week we were talking, I don't know if we did it on the air, we were talking about even when you work with a group, uh, say you work with a group of midnighters or a group of cops that you work with, even if some of them have some defects and problem areas, you're like, that's all right. They're part of the group. We all got them. We'll just adjust. I thought that was really, because sometimes you think of, oh, that your group is so tight and everyone is equally skilled. No, not necessarily. There's a no, everybody's different. Yeah. 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 I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. So if I was listening to this podcast, I'd go, what are the calls they hate? They both mentioned hate calls. So you, you said DOAs. Just the stinky. Somehow you don't like rotting. It's the stinking. <laughs> I know, shocking. <laughs> yeah, I'm not into that. So that's one you don't like. I get it. Any other one? List, list one. Any... Car accidents. Really? Yeah. Just because, so I used to love car accidents. But as a cop, I didn't like them as much because of the ticketing. Or like, or civil issues. Anything, anything really civil. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's good though with civil issues that you don't want to be too engaged in those anyway. No. You want to, you want to disengage because that's part of what exactly a good policing is. Ago, this is not a police business, and uh, it just it can, it can get a little tiresome. You know, you having to listen to both sides their complaints and then basically saying there's nothing we can do here and but you have i mean you have to go through the motions otherwise maybe there's some dysfunction too because if they're calling the police for a civil issue they don't really get how the system works sometimes and they're asking well, you, to be, you to be a grown-up and well yeah they think that we can insert ourselves into these situations yeah. and we just simply can't yeah but i understand the frustration and you know it's sort of like a last resort i don't know what to do yeah. Everything is fucked. I need to call the police. Right, so. right. But there's nothing we can do, yeah. ultimately. Yeah. Anyway, it gets annoying. I think but when I was new cop, before I figured that out, I kind of overextended myself on a few civil calls. Uh, Same. And, and that could have been bad because they're like, why were you intervening anyway? Right. Like, oh, I thought I was the police. You know, I thought I was supposed to. But anyway, so civil. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess the those are like... For me, it's, it would definitely be kids and sexual abuse. Well, of course. Well, yeah. I guess I'm going there. Jen doesn't care about those no, issues. apparently I don't. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, you know I, thought, I thought we were talking about like, just irritating calls. Oh, well, shit. Let me reword that. So I asked, yeah. we'll just dub that in there. Jen, what are the most irritating calls to be on? And then, uh, we'll, we'll, and then no, and then Darren, yeah, actually the massive suffering of a child. Yes. Oh yeah, guarantee you, Jen. Well, you don't have to speak up. We, we, you, we well, <laughs> God damn it. You want in? Oh, you want in on this now? This. No. Well, I always and Darren, you know, it's kids, animals, old people, and or and then additionally, like the truly vulnerable who don't fit into those categories. Mm-hmm. No, and and I can speak for That's, us both. I know the one call that neither of us will do is go 
dispatch an animal. No, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yes. I don't. Any animal? How about a... Uh... I, do, I don't. Even like a possum? Somebody somebody <laughs> else will. Yeah. Possums. They look as like ugly me. and angry as they are? <laughs> yeah. Can't no. do it. No, I don't want to. Huh. Someone else can. So you know that you don't have to beat him with your nightstick. You can just... <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, well, that changes things. But I've gone to a few to assist, and every time that animal looks directly at you, <laughs> cannot do that. I know. Oh, that's funny. I know. Yeah. So I'm grateful there are coworkers who will happily do that. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't want to. All right. Good. Um, what? What do you like? What calls do you like? I don't know. Don't say none because. <laughs> No, I'm... Darren likes civil calls. Ugh. Yeah, actually, I don't, don't mind. Oh, I was just I, making that up. Yeah. Civil calls, I might step out of bounds a little <laughs> bit and give my personal opinion a little bit. Oh, sure. On how they can better deal with life, not relying on other people that they're adults and that they need to try and figure life out. That not everyone has answers all the time, but instead of running to the phone and calling for the three, police department. Which happens too frequently, I'm three, sorry. Three simple numbers. All you have to do is push these numbers yeah. in the right order. And, exactly. Yeah, you know, and um, we, we talked about that before a little bit is, um, I, I, don't, I didn't word it right because I talked about yelling at people. And, it, and that's not necessarily what I'm talking about, but it, it's one of the joys of policing is like, I think, of going is talking to people like, no, you got to watch your kid because if they step in the street like that, they're going to get run over. And no, you can't dump your stuff on the ground. You know, and I actually kind of enjoyed that part. And maybe you, even on the civil ones, is like, you're like, ah, you weren't parented very well, maybe, and uh, I'm going to take that role. I mean, that's really, law enforcement is kind of a, parental job i guess in some ways it is including uh corrective behavior you know correct so anyway i don't uh so you what what calls do you like probably call that you, you can actually when you walk out of the house and you say that as crazy and as screwed up that call was that you might have even for a minute gotten through someone and you saw for a brief second that the light came on in their mind that yeah. that you can walk out of that house and say, okay, maybe this repeat caller because their, their boyfriend, girlfriend that call the police every week and maybe you are lucky that one day and the words are just flowing at the right speed and the right cadence and you say the right thing to one of the parties that the light finally turns on for them that they actually have that aha moment that a they can separate and probably move on with life and life will probably exist for both of them interesting so you're talking about being impactful yeah mm-hmm. and and uh in policing that's really interesting in the environment you work in Unlike maybe a school teacher who has a steady flow of students that they invest in, engage in, or all other kind of so-called helping professions and such, 
with this, you know, you don't know, and it often is what you say or don't say, I guess. Correct. Jen talked a story about her dad, like, okay, you know, I was a real, I was in, her dad was in this injured, vulnerable state, and this cop probably was very straightforward, just doing his cop thing, and maybe didn't even know he was doing something good, you know? Right. Yeah, I think it's when you actually notice that you're helping or doing doing something other than just putting on a tiny Band-Aid on a gaping wound. Right. Just or, sort of what we do. Which, yeah. Wow, that's the Amos guy's job. <laughs> or, I mean, there are definitely people out in the city, and it's probably throughout the nation, that rely on police and call police weekly, daily, monthly. That at least when you go back to that house... And they're like, I know, I know, you told me this. At least they remembered Interesting. from the last contact that you made <clears throat> right. that at least it's in the back of their mind and they're at least thinking about it. I had to get over that in both ambulance work and police work, especially in an urban environment, that the ambulance was sometimes used like a taxi to take you to the ER, which was used like a clinic. All that dysfunction. I mean, we're in the dysfunction business. And in law enforcement, over and over again, all those type of things. It, in both those jobs, I had to learn just to give that part up a little bit and know, okay, I'm I'm dealing with people that aren't that functional. Functional sometimes. Agreed, a hundred percent. You know, and I just like okay, and also too, I used to expend a lot of energy uh, with some consternation about it, and then once you know, I just like ah, you know, you get paid the same kind of mentality, and also too, really, do you want to fight these fights all the time? So, so. Um, you were talking about, both you were saying some of the kind of pleasures and joys you get from the work uh, being impactful. I bet um, there was a period in your job where you're like, wow, it's, I'm not as impactful as I thought I was. And it, there was this period where you had to kind of adjust that barometer a bit. You know? I think you learned that right away. I mean, I came in thinking, oh, I'm going to change the world, mm-hmm. which you, it just, you don't. So... I mean, you learn that quick. Yeah. I mean, maybe on a, on a small scale occasionally, but mostly it's, okay, this is... You can change a person's world, I think, a little bit. I hope so. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes it it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. So. And is that a, okay? Oh, yeah. I mean, I got, I mean, I got over that real quick, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It, there's only so much you can do, and you're not going to solve you know, a, a lifetime's worth of problems yeah. in a 10-minute situation. It's just not going to happen. But it is remarkable how you can uh, do what you can with what you got in a small situation. And sometimes it's um, such a small thing, but just, I mean, you've probably had this experience where someone will look at you like no one's ever talked to me like that in a positive way. And you're like, wow. I mean, no grown man has never talked to you. In, sure. a, in a way like that seems you know straightforward and, and with elevated expectations or listened I mean that to me is some of my best memories of realizing that I, I I remember one time one guy came up to me and said you I can tell by the look on your face that I can tell you this I don't know what I was doing you know but I mean mm-hmm. he just had this kind of open friendly face or I don't know what it was but those aren't very dramatic, and those are things that we never occurred to us when we were little kids thinking about being cops. <laughs> right. Totally, yeah. Huh. 
What? Okay, so um, here's another one is, what is it like being a, a flaming liberal and then having to watch the cops take a beating? No, I'm just joking. I was just trying to say that. Um, what, what's that like to watch the narratives about policing that sometimes are out there and you're like, wow, I, what is that like for you? For me, it's so frustrating. Incredibly frustrating. Yes. It, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the last five years have been trying five or five ish years, I guess. It just kind of since Ferguson kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah probably that's when it started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, I don't think that's when it started, but that's when I, it, I, it, I came into an awareness. That's when it was about. palpable. I yeah. mean, it was, yes, that at that time. Yeah. I mean, you look at it and they're stereotyping us and all I want to do is for these people that come up to me and say, you're the effing cops, you don't get it, screw you, so on and so on. I'm like, okay, you don't know one thing about me personally. Right. That if you even gave me two minutes and had a conversation with me, that you would probably see that we have a lot more in common than we don't have in common. Yeah. Um, without a doubt. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's, um, did you say demoralizing? Is that what the word? No, um, but absolutely. Oh, that's what I thought. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I guess we just it's sort of. It's a huge adjustment. It was a huge adjustment for yeah. me. And I'm not fully adjusted to it, actually. Because I can tell. No, me neither. By my anger sometimes. No, so, and I think every cop we work with don't want to work with those one percenters that are maybe not the best cops out there that give us all a bad name. But there's 99% of us out there that are phenomenal people. Yeah, yeah. And very different people with different experiences, different backgrounds who have experienced adversity. There's sort of this idea that we all come from the same perfect background. We're all these sort of like square-jawed, like jack-booted. Right white guys you know what i mean right. and i i don't know it, it it's been a frustrating several years you know i i one of the things i notice is that i one of the things i love about cops and i my affection and love for cops seems to be increasing partly because of the beating that they're taking and my 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 empath empathizing with that that what that's like and all that but I also admire their blue collar beginnings, you know, and their straightforward beginnings. You know, you were in a, tr- you grew up as a, a rotten little kid in a transitional neighborhood. Hundred percent. You grew up super in Prior Lake, which we all know is just luxurious and <laughs> nice. Hundred percent. Yeah. You know? And then you, uh, and then you, had, you lose your dad and things change. I'm not saying I don't know what your life was like before, but anyway, my point is, is that I. One, it's it's amazing how, and I say blue collar with with affection, um, and that that that's what you know. Cops come from that, and and we know some cops have come from some really rough places, oh, and yeah. actually they become cops. I think to try to leverage that experience to try to make something out of it, that type of stuff. You know exactly. Yeah. Well, I, hopefully we love each other. Well, it's it's quieted down a little bit, at least locally. I don't know. I'm sure that the COVID has a little bit to do with that. But right, because it's affecting their brains. Yeah, and thankfully they 
we are not being used as the as the uh, social distancing police, which oh. I'm grateful for. Yeah, that's very smart. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Hey, let me do a commercial here. Um, it's a singing commercial. Can we? So, I'll put I'm the, leaving. I'll put, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so before we end, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast or or might be interested in my book, Good Cop, Good Cop, a Get Healthy, Stay Healthy Guide for Law Enforcement. I cover uh, similar topics to what we're talking about today in the book. It's also it's available in print and audiobook as well, and you can purchase this through Amazon. You can also just find out more about the podcast, the Cop Think podcast, the Cop Thought videos, and uh, more about Good Cop, Good Cop, and Blue Watch training at you ready goodcopgoodcop.com. So that's all easier now because they have they have the internet on computers now, so that's really nice, convenient. So what did um, what did you think I was going to ask you about coming over here? Did you have any expectations? Like, oh, I bet he'll ask me about that. Darren, it seems like Jen. I don't think you did. Matter of fact, you didn't even know you were coming over here. I know. I forgot. <laughs> no, I. I was expecting, like, lady police questions. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Darren, what about you? Not lady police questions. <laughs> no? I did that lady police thing. I thought it was funny, delicate flower, and that's why you don't oh, want yes. to talk. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. we all are. Yes. No. So I... I, I need a fainting couch. Oh, funny. Um, so, no, I don't see any need to do that, unless you want to volunteer or something. No, that no, that's okay. All right. Um, how about you, Darren? For one, I thought we would be talking about our tattoos. That we both have quite a bit of ink. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I suppose. That is a newer trend in law enforcement. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so here's what's nice about this. You can completely exaggerate since it's, it's not visual. You can yeah, I'm head to you, toe. Yeah, you can describe your tattoos, including the neck one. Big <laughs> yeah, exactly. big money. What is that? My Cash fa- money? Is that what it says? Tattoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, tell us about your tattoos. So um, my entire right arm from my uh, wrist all the way up to my shoulder is fully, uh, I have a full tatted sleeve mm-hmm. with a Mexican feel to it. Yeah. Uh, and then on my left hand, I have a dragonfly that for me represents death and the afterlife. And then I have a Kind of funny for me. It's a safe with a B, so it's B safe. So it's just a gentle reminder. There was so long in law enforcement getting into this. Probably bugged me for the first five years that everyone kept saying be safe. And I'm like, okay, are you questioning that I'm not safe? Of course I'm going to be safe every single day. But now I'm like, okay, that's just a courteous thing. Telling Mm -hmm. other cops... Just be mindful, be aware, be safe. So I just got that for a reminder for myself to always put yourself first. So segueing back in tattoos, I would say at least for me, it's an awesome icebreaker, especially working in some of the tougher neighborhoods. I've been in Frogtown, Midway, and stuff like that. And dealing with people that are not like you, juveniles and youth, looking at you that they can actually, hey, love your sleeve, love your tattoos. It's a, it's a good segue to open up 
a conversation with someone that probably A, would never have talked to a cop, would have just walked on by. So it's a great icebreaker. People yeah. love it. Oh, I, I believe it. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Let me ask you some questions. One is, um, the uh, oh, when you said be safe, what I, what I think about that is, one is, uh, for cops, it's something to say, right? And it's also an encouragement, I guess, and a reminder. For citizens, I think it's almost affection sometimes because they, they're saying we worry about you, we care about you, that kind of thing. You stand between us and big trouble. When you were looking at your, your left, so the right arm is very colorful, and the left arm with the dragonfly, and then you said something about you might be surprised or you might not expect this from me. What part of it? You know, just because it's, it, it makes me laugh. The the oh, oh. literal part of yeah. it's an actual safe. Sure. But let, let me flying out of it. <laughs> so I don't know if I did other cops hear that story. Yeah, I think people know. Nice. And I mean, the public, I'll say, why do you have a safe on your arm yeah. with bees flying out? Yeah. Of it? And so yeah, it's a good icebreaker. Good job. Mm-hmm. And then Jenna has some awesome tattoos too. I suppose. What are they? Um. I don't know. I guess one. Yeah. So it's mostly just. This isn't. I have an album cover, and this is a painting. This is from a comic, and this is a my okay. favorite comic on earth. Wait, is what? Ghost World. Ghost World. Yes. Okay. Uh, sorry, I don't know that. Don't. Uh, what's nope, that's what's okay. the album cover? Uh, it's a Sonic Youth album. I've got the the white album on my forearm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, what was it, Sonic Youth? Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. and what was the book? Do you mind talking? What was the book? These are personal things, but I, well, it's book? personable, but you drew it on your body, so maybe it's Ghost not that. World. Oh, yeah. Is that... Yeah, what's the book? Oh, it, what it, like, why do I like it? No, what is the book? I didn't catch it. Oh, uh, Ghost World is the comic, so it's like a graphic oh, novel. Oh, oh it's all... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But the cool thing about this job, I suppose, so one thing I really like about it is... At least historically, Darren and I are, have been good at this. Is for lack of a better term, would be access. So when they were f- they were filming a movie in St. Paul, I don't know, five six years ago now, and the screenwriter was the cartoonist who did Ghost World, really? and I begged and pleaded to get on that assignment or yes. get near it. Really? <laughs> yes, yes. And I got it, and I worked as much as I could, and I got to meet everybody involved. I, it was it was amazing. So that's and you showed them your tats, and they all thought that was yeah, amazing. yeah. Did I have a and picture they took with pictures them? with you? Yeah, absolutely. That's very cool. Yeah. So that I mean, that's I wouldn't have been able to do that, you know, sure. outside of this job. Yeah. And Darren and I have always been, especially like. At, at the current <clears throat> studios. Yeah, when we were central days together. Yes. We were able to meet some very cool people. Yeah. Coming out of the uh, the current studios. Yeah. We would always be driving Stock with the current them. on. We're like groupies. Yeah, so groupies. we would hear who their yeah, live sure. and studio guests are. <laughs> and we always knew what door they'd exit. Mm-hmm. So like Tori Amos and yeah. Yeah. LJ and... yeah. And we got to go into the studios and meet yeah. with them. It well, was really I, I fun. did some of that. I, when I was on patrol, I listened to The Current for 10 hours straight. Oh, yeah. You know, and so they, they do the countdown and all that. I also would go to, um, I forget the bar. It's down by Mears Park. It's closed now. Um, 
I heard Palisa there. I heard um, Ooh, my favorite uh, atmosphere. And then I would also go to like Station um, Four. Yeah, yeah. And then I would also go to um, the Turf Club and yes. listen to music there and all that stuff. Well, you know? we were work. Do you remember this, Darren? And it, this haunts me to this day. We were working the night that Lady Gaga showed up at the Turf Club. Just and we probably drove by. You're right. And you were able to jump on Justin Timberlake's couch. Yeah, yeah. I sat on Justin Timberlake's, Timberlake's couch. All right. I saw um, Mikhail Brishnikov's cot once. It's cot? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, uh, that wasn't that remarkable, I guess. You know, I had a, my big remarkable experience, and this is, you'll see it related to my age, I guess, but... My first assignment, we were still in the academy. We worked some event down on Harriet Island where they literally gave us bullets for the day. You know, okay, here's your bullets. We want them all back at the end. And Super Tramp was playing. So I heard Super Tramp That's live. cool. Yeah, and I was a huge Super Tramp, Tramp fan. And I thought, I'm, I'm, I've never used this phrase on the job. It's going to be my first time. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm living the dream. I was a St. Paul cop. The, the skyline was in the back background, and Super Tramp was playing live. It's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. I think people only use that ironically now. What's that? Living the dream. I never. I don't even know what it means. When I say to cops, how's it going? Living the dream. And they always say it in a positive way. They don't say it in a well. snarky. Oh, at least I, and I... And I've said, what does that mean? And, and they just smile. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they exactly. Don't worry about uh, it. Don't mm-hmm. worry. Yeah. If yeah. you got to ask, then maybe you're in the wrong career, they'll there you say. Go. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. Maybe the EAP guy. Don't ask questions like that, you know. Um, any other tattoos? I have one police tattoo. Your donut tattoo? It's a donut. Awesome. It's like a Simpsons donut. Really? Mm-hmm. But Could it's back here. be more cliche than that. Huh? I know. But I love donuts. The, uh, and then who are the Simpson cops? They're hilarious. They're all of them. Um, the Chief Wiggum and yep. then the yep. other two cops. The other two are wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I have a half sleeve on my other arm, but it's just floral, okay. really. Nice. And so, a, a tramp stamp from when I was seventeen. <laughs> yeah. So, which, I, which I regret. So when I wear shorts, <laughs> I have funny. two pig heads on the back of my calves. Oh, that's right. That get a lot of attention, and they think when people ask about that I'm anti-cop, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you I'm a cop, but. Oh, Never. That's my inside funny. joke. Yeah. <laughs> really? Well, I don't get why two pig heads. Is it because you want to? No, because I think it's kind of a, a laugh at who I am. Poking yeah. fun at it. But yeah. I can't take the job too serious. Yeah, nice. Wow, you guys are fun to talk to. Um, what else? Anything else that you were thinking we'd talk about? Tattoos. I'm really glad you brought that up. That's why I asked that question. I don't know. What else you got, Darren? It's your big chance. Episode two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, I really appreciate that. I really like what you had to say. Um, I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're St. Paul Cops. Um, uh, is there anything that you want to promote while you're here? I meant to ask you ahead of time. Anything you care about? Yeah. So I will say that I am currently working on designing a patch for the pink patch project that I hope to have uh, selected and approved through our administration very soon and have the patches available by October 
that patrol officers will be able to wear this patch on their uniforms the entire month of October. Hmm. And then also have extra patches so people in the public can also buy the patches. And then 100% of the proceeds will go to charity. Hmm. Okay, good. I was afraid you were going to mention your real estate business. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So that's a project you're working on. It sounds like you've made some good progress and you're hopeful about it. Correct. Great. Yep. All right. Miss Jen? <laughs> no? How do I follow that up? Yeah. You, you know what you do? Hmm. You know what you should have said? What? For the Suffering Children Abuse Fund that I care a lot about. Exactly. Yeah. You, that you That's, pretended you didn't care about before. Yeah. I'm crocheting, a, I'm crocheting sweaters. For... Shout out to Feline Rescue. <laughs> I would love to. Just a funny quick story. So when me and Jen worked West Midnight's, Feline Rescues on Fairview Avenue, like 500 block. Mm -hmm. We would always drive by and shine our spotlight <laughs> and see all those sad kittens oh. looking out at us. And then you yes. thought, if I wasn't on the job, I'd break them free. <laughs> yes. Well, um, forgot about that. You know, after, after a lot, this happens every time. After we turn off the mics, we sit around and chat some more, and then. Uh, and then we decided to start up again. Why don't you guys explain why we're starting up again? Darren, you can start. Yeah. So one of the questions were, what are thoughts coming into this podcast? What the conversation was going to be? I truly thought that the topic, at least having me at the table, would be my experiences as being... For the first 11 years, being when St. Paul Police being the only openly gay officer with the, the department, I thought that a few of the questions or the dialogue would have uh, been around that subject. How about you, Jen? What were you thinking? <laughs> why, yeah. why did well, I invite you? <laughs> no, no. Like I said before, I thought there'd just be questions specifically about what it's like to be a female officer, I suppose. So, yeah. So I, that's I, that jab at the beginning, which I thought was hilarious, where I said uh, you were such a delicate flower, because I would hope that people's experience of me through my paramedic career and, and police career, my view of women in the job would be nothing but... I don't want to make any comment about it. It's just, I, I don't think sure. one way or the other. It's just, we're all workers. But one reason I didn't go down that route was I just don't know, whatever, I'm not, I just don't want to make a big deal of it. I think, to me, what the best contribution any, let's just call it a subgroup. That's for lack, that's the only term I can mm -hmm. come up. Because there's like a bunch of left-handed cops, too, that we could interview, too, I guess. <laughs> um, is that your best contribution if you care about that subgroup is to be really good at your job you know and I actually Jen I'll tell you I asked her on I said hey I want to get some cops on that are out working patrol and I asked some people to name some cops that are just just working the job and they said you were one of the names I was and, not. <laughs> no, I said female officers. No, yeah. no, no, that's no. Really I, nice. Actually, I asked when I wanted to get. I said, "Well, let me." I it's asked. Flattering. I asked some people that you would be flattered by. I said, "Hey, name some female officers." And there's a lot of them that are out just working the job, and and they do it in a way that uh, cops admire. 
and they came up this person came up there's a big list as you as you would know as you already know mm -hmm. but you were one of them and then i also was kind of interested in you because i know you think both of you really are free thinkers and maybe maybe that's part of darren what you brought up maybe that's why you're a free thinker you know you've taken another you've had this other path so to speak that you've gone through maybe yeah and no go ahead sorry no. no, I was just going to say that I, this, I don't know, for some people, this job is their entire identity. And that's, it's not a judgment call, sure. not good or bad. It's just, this is not my identity. I mean, it's, it's a, it's my job and I like my job, yeah. but I don't know. I guess there's, there's more to us. There's more to everybody that we work with outside of this job, but I don't know. I guess maybe that's well, part of it. You do have a donut tattoo. I know. So that you're, All right. Yeah. Be honest. You're, your, you're um, right. I live and breathe it. Let me tell you. Of course, have a thin blue line <laughs> tattoo. What as is well. what does that say? That's the Hispanic one. You said Hispanic <laughs> theme or something. So the colorful one on the this right. This is actually in Latin. It's. I'm not going to try and pronounce Latin. <laughs> okay, but, so you can say whatever you want then. Yes. So the English translation of it is. Do good deeds and endure. Oh, my goodness. So that's deep. Well, let me just find the... Since I mentioned my book, I'm going to find it here. This is what I have at the very first introduction. It says, to do and to bear is the duty of life. That seems similar to me. Very much so. To do and to bear, to endure, you know, to bear, and then to do is to do good works, to do good work. Correct. Wow, that's interesting. So that's one of my first tattoos I've ever had exposed uh -huh. on my arms. Yeah, is that quote? And the only one that ever can read that, or when you like take calls at the cathedral or something. Correct. Uh, Priests yeah. go no Latin and go oh, or maybe yes. St. Thomas too at the yeah. seminary. Um, that um, since you brought up the topics here, I want to ask you about this. When Minneapolis decided that they didn't want any gay cops in uniform at the gay pride parade. Talk about demoralizing. That had to be. Or what? tell me, what was your reaction to that? Am, am I misreading that? Yeah, so if you want, I'll segue even back. So when I was in high school, I wanted to be a cop. With me going through high school as coming out of who I was, was... Kind of questioning, especially as a young 18-year-old kid saying, can I be a gay cop? I, I didn't think that was even possible for me to be both. That it was this macho, military, uh, white male segment of officers, and how would I fit in? as not that mold. So, with my dad being sick then, it segued me into real estate where I was successful and I could be who I wanted to be. No questions, saying, oh, I only need a straight realtor. Mm -hmm. That I was in sales and I did a great job. So as I got older and I was successful and I marketed to the gay community and the straight community. And, and I felt 
that I came into my own, that I felt comfortable who I was with. So when I decided to go back to college, that I knew that I wanted to be genuine who I was. And after I got my post-test and I passed, and I started in interviewing and started going through, A, being a white male, going through interviews, that there's 95% of the job pool for law enforcement is white males. I didn't want to use who I was to set me aside, but, but also I didn't want to not be genuine with myself. I remember, and I don't want to name the department, it's a smaller department that I made it to, I think, the third round of interviews, and they said, since we're a very small, tight-knit group, we're going to bring half the patrol guys in the interview, and we're just going to sit down and have a casual conversation so you can feel what they're like and they can get a read for you. And I've always in my interviews have expressed who I was. And there's no reason why I need to do a facade. And I've felt that that prevented me from getting some jobs. Mm -hmm. and, but I didn't want to use who I was to be earmarked as a specialty so a department could say, oh, we have so-and-so on our department. So, I, I mean, I was very lucky to get hired by St. Paul. Uh, I think I've been pretty uh, vocal in the past. St. Paul was not even on my radar. I was grew up in Prairie Lake. Minneapolis is, was my soccer ground. It's definitely easier to understand geography and you know, right. Minneapolis. So when I was going through skills and posts, I thought Minneapolis is where I was going to land. Yeah. And then when I started doing some investigations and stuff like that, and I was <clears throat> being hired through Minneapolis, but then their funding went out, and I was going to be a CSO over there. So then it opened up. Again, saying, okay, I need to broaden my horizons. And then when I did some investigating with St. Paul, uh, out front, who is a political action committee, as long as advocacy for domestic relationship uh, violence in Minnesota, uh, they had some press releases saying that St. Paul would not hire any gave me a officers, and that was a problem. So I took that kind of as a challenge to be hired with St. Paul. Uh, and then going through the academy, I definitely did not want to stand out in the academy because I didn't want anyone to question that I was there because I was gay male and I was less than anyone else in that class. Mm -hmm. So then I would say, uh, looking back 13 years, uh, as I said earlier, I think I'm a great cop out there, uh, that I'm well respected and I'm just a cop that happens to be gay. Right. I, I had to be genuine with myself. Sure. I, I had to be happy with myself that I can maybe not relate to my coworkers or vice versa. I mean, I could say I can definitely relate to my coworkers, whereas 
they might have limited knowledge of other gay people just in their social circles, etc. Now, my my outside observation is that you are very well accepted. Yeah, I, as I, a gay cop. Correct. I mean, and with your coworkers on midnights when you were working with that crowd. Yeah, so that's I'm correct in that. No, 100% correct. Yeah. And yeah. I and I I one thing I've always admired about that is to me then again that that um advances any I, I hate to use this word but an agenda like say you want to, your agenda is to normalize and to um uh, make being a gay cop a, a better thing for those any other gay cop and have other cops see, see the value in that i think the way to do that would be to be what you what you said a couple times i feel like i'm a good cop i work hard I'm, I'm engaged in the work and that type of stuff. That seems like the most productive thing to me. And also, it also suggests some clarity in your own mind about who you are. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Good for Completely. you. Okay, let's talk about your experience on the street, interacting with people. I imagine you can think, oh, there's a lot of positive experiences. Has there been negative ones? No, I mean, I mean, you look back at the academy where one day I was pulled up pulled out of the class and brought back to a conference room and and the the staff at that time I definitely won't name names basically sat me around and told me that they support me a hundred percent and and that this could be a tough uh, environment to work in but they had my back a hundred percent I've never felt uh, anything less and I, I would say my fellow officers yeah I think this is a statement about both you and the department I think you did it really well by being yourself I'm, I'm guessing I'm actually thinking your 12 years in in uh, real estate and having to go down a different path kind of increased your resolve you know, and losing 100%. your dad and all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say it was 100% smooth the entire times. Yeah. I remember being year two on and being asked by the training unit to give a diversity yeah, class that. Oh, yeah. to the entire department. And like all the lay employees out work in St. Paul. So here's me Yeah. just trying to... Yeah. Stay above water, do go to my calls, and then being asked to come out, yeah, truly come out (laughs) in in front of every single coworker, many who I've didn't know at that time, to tell my story in front of everyone standing up. And you were new, being totally new was (laughs) unnerving and was hard. But, I mean, from that experience, I definitely grew from it. It reminds me just how imperfect this whole thing is. This whole life that we live, whole, these adjustments that we make, even agencies trying to do the right thing. You know, we're, we haven't been down some of these roads before, you know. And, um, and then you trying to just, I, I really totally appreciate both of you guys. I, I just wanted to, I, I'm not saying I wanted to fit in, I just didn't want to stand out. Because there's a definite oh. hazard in that. No, you want to be under the radar, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and so, so I really I appreciate that. 
Good for you. Um, how about you, Jen? Uh, what do you represent? <laughs> All women. Okay. Yes. No, I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't really know where to begin. All women, all over the world. Yes, I speak for all women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. Um. I. I don't. Well, I guess that is something that is real, sort of. Though, is that. It. it, You sort of end up by accident speaking for everybody, Mm -hmm. or you're the example of everyone. So if if I screw up. I sort of feel this burden of like, oh shit, I, now we all look bad, right? So it's, you do want to stay under the radar. You just want to kind of just be like anybody else and not really, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Oh, I mean, very well. I mean, I I can even look back 13 years when Jenna and I came on, there were people that we worked with that frowned upon females being on the force. Oh, yeah. That they were less than a male, mm-hmm. and they did not have the same status of being a male officer in the departments. Well, I, it's, it's, we're not that old. I, I was a Hennepin County paramedic, and I remember St. Paul Fire had zero female firefighters. I don't know how many employees they have, 300, 400, and they had zero. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was actively working as a paramedic during that. You know, a couple thoughts about it that, as far as female officers go. I remember I was at Hennepin, and I remember um, the, the female officers that came on at Minneapolis, slowly they became, you, you felt like the early officers had to kind of prove themselves and, and, and maybe model some of their behavior after the men. And over time, I felt like the women came on and they were more than themselves, probably because of what those their predecessors had done for them. It kind of right. set the groundwork, set the tone, so now they can kind of, I thought, be more themselves. One thing is, I'll just tell you I experienced the other day, uh, or not, I was at the range, uh, I think it was in the summer, and we're at the outdoor range, and we're in that little building cleaning our guns. And I happened to be all female officers. I think there were four female officers and just me. And it was just just to watch them interact, to know what I knew about them, to have them complain and, and like any other cop and talk like any other cop. And I knew their work ethic, and I mm-hmm. knew what they did for a living, and I knew where they worked. And I just thought I had nothing but admiration for them. And and I, I personally do really am adverse to identity politics. I don't find it helpful, and I find it harmful. So I don't like to go there very much, mm-hmm. but I couldn't help but admire. I mean, I shouldn't even apologize for admiring a group of women for being good at their jobs, you know. Um, so how about you? So did, you know, you were, you were, you're a new enough cop that there were cops that have worked entire careers and retired maybe before you came on. Mm-hmm. You know, so you had that ahead of you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly when I started, it wasn't like I was, you know, changing in the janitor's closet type mm-hmm. of, it, it was. Except that one time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I. Darren was in the closet. I mean. No, he weren't in the closet. There were. <laughs> oh, you were out by then. Yeah. So there were real pioneers before me, sure. certainly. And I don't know. I mean, I guess. The main thing was I just, you do sort of feel this desire, and like Darren said, to 
prove yourself that that you weren't hired for because you checked off a box right. that that you filled a quota. It's like me and being so good looking. Right. Yes. I know, I'm always like, do people judge me differently because of that? Right. That that would cross to bear for you. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you. So it wasn't so much. Um, you're you're representing. Maybe is that the right word? Sure. You know, you kind of represent that group. So you. Not that you want to, but you no. end up. I mean. Yeah, you just end end up being like I said before. I mean, I'm I'm not articulate, right? No, now. I think I'm I think I'm understanding. But you have this awareness. It it not necessarily a burden, but it's an extra awareness that maybe others don't have. You know, that you represent this and that you don't want yeah, to be judged. Yeah, like oh, if, I guess no. I guess you were also saying you don't want people to say you're in that position because right. Okay, so both. Yeah. 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 And so there, when I was new and I was young too, it was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to prove I'm going to be a badass and I'm going to yeah. do all I can to, and it, the thing is, that's just absurd. Yeah. And. Because you were a badass to begin with. Oh right? yeah. Just inherently a badass. Uh-huh. No, I just, you're never going to be in that group. You're never going to be that, like in that boys club. It's never going to happen. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to be myself and. Mm. I, th- I think the job, I'm, I'm hoping that you feel uh, genuinely, all everybody at the police, I actually help everybody at the police department feels like they have a few, they feel, have a few good friends within the agency. Absolutely. You know? and, and you're certainly not going to have necessarily the whole crowd, you know, but everybody needs, that's a damn lonely job if you're isolated. No, that that's I think that's the best part of the job are my coworkers. And that's why hands I, down. people like uh, Greg Williams. Mm-hmm. You know Greg Williams? Phenomenal guy. Heart of gold. Right. So he's a man that comes up instantly. He, you are because you got a St. Paul patch on. You are as welcome and as um, I'm, every, as soon as I say his name, everybody's like, yes, that mm-hmm. guy is the one who came up when I was a brand new cop and like, why is this guy even talking to me? It's because. He's curious about me and welcoming mm-hmm. me and all that. I mean, that's just, that's some yeoman's work there. I love that stuff. So so it just reminds us, too, maybe, too, as you guys as 13-year cops, too, is, uh, you know, we have a responsibility to, uh, you know, pull people in, I think, because it's, it's, it's a, you know, pull them into into the into the group a little bit to know? the family it yeah and it makes yeah. it like you remember the people who are good to you oh, when yeah. you, and <laughs> i started in central and the women in central at that time were great to me yeah absolutely great yeah. and i've some other people have had other experiences mm-hmm. but i was very grateful to have a good group and and not just the women i mean everybody was welcoming and great so well you really when you're you are vulnerable when you're a new cop mm-hmm whether you're gay or regardless whatever. of who yeah you are. you're vulnerable yeah. and uh, and so when people show kindness to people that are vulnerable that you I never forget that I have a right. list in my head of the people that were kind and helpful and supportive to me mm-hmm. and I, and I was extremely grateful with my first year being on East Days that was the senior the senior crowd yeah that took me under their wings yeah can I say this? We were talking about cops and um, people judging you and all that. That's another thing I don't think pe- the general population understand is how straightforward many cops are. 
I mean, we, let, we work in a hyper-violent world, a hyper-sexualized world sometime. The language and the, and the things we you, you witness and report on and interview do, people. Do and see. Yeah, yep. do and see. And, um, you know, cops are, I think, are really, I love how cops think. And a lot of them are really good humans that accept a broad range of, I mean, we have more interaction with more variety of humans even even when we are accused of um, mistreating groups, I'm thinking, you know, actually, I think we're more compassionate and forgiving and understanding in those groups because we've seen them weep. We've seen them when their loved ones are dead. We've seen them when they're overdosed. You know, we are in their lives in really vulnerable periods. And uh, oh, yeah. we're part of these people's lives, you know. So that, uh, Well, that's I've always said that on a grassroots level, we do more for the marginalized communities than anyone else. I mean, I know that's probably controversial and people would disagree, but I don't know. On like a day-to-day, really kind of face-to-face level, we do a lot. And that gets lost in the... We do a lot, and, and including one of the things that I think is most respectful is having expectations. I expect you to be act like a better citizen. Right. That to me is very respectful. It's not like I'm going to forgive you because of this or that. Right. People don't even treat their own children that way. So why would you do that if you supposedly care about people? Correct. Huh. Well, great. Um, I'm glad we touched on that. We included that. Any other any other secrets? <laughs> no, no. I don't think so. I think. Yeah, I think so. We, I'm, I'm just going to circle back to your original do. question. So, you were talking about Minneapolis Pride and oh, Twin yeah. Cities Pride. Oh, gosh, I mm-hmm. forgot about that. That several years ago, so with the St. Paul contingent, I approached at that time Senior Commander Todd Axel if we could be a part of the Pride Parade. I'm going to assume this was probably nine, ten years ago. Uh, he at that time was more than welcoming, said, Yep. Get your crew together. I think our first year we had six or seven cops uh, that participated in full uniform. Uh, we were given access access to a mark squad so we could be very visible during the parade and also had a booth. That was very successful for us for about five years. Uh, and then some other uh, marginal groups uh started voicing their opinion of police, what they thought was uh, the stereotypical image of the cop, again, being the the straight, macho male, woman hater, hating uh, people of color, uh, gay and lesbian people. So they voiced their opinions along with Black Lives Matter, came on and spoke out and said, that they did not want uh, police in their uh, pride parade. Uh, I think it was three years ago uh, that we pulled out, and at that time, the Minneapolis police chief, Janae Harto, sat down with the pride committee uh, and was able to get us to march in that parade in uniform. Uh, The past three years now, uh, the new Minneapolis police chief, uh, along with our police chief now, uh, have asked us 
to not wear uniforms in the parade, that we are able to wear uh, our civilian clothes and walk in the parade. If we choose to, but no mark squads. Uh, so for me, the Pride Parade is all about inclusion. That all people should be able to uh, participate in the parade. I keep hearing my chair and I make very loud noises. I'm sorry. <laughs> that creak. Go ahead. Yes. So... So us as the small contingent of St. Paul officers that have been doing that parade, uh, for one, being a police officer, my uniform is my identity. It is who I am. I'm very proud of the uniform and my badge. Uh, so just walking in a parade, not being a proud police officer, doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So So that's why we... Stop doing the pride parades, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, it's remarkably short-sighted. And it's... Um, I Even just as an observer of that, I thought, oh, that just seems so unfair. And so... Un not unfair, unjust. And then also, too, to think of what, what some gay officers have done for that community. No, and, 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 what, no, I shouldn't even say gay. What police officers have done for that correct. community. And being a role model, walking in the parade, yeah. and you see all up and down the yeah. parade route, younger yeah. people that are not hearing all the stereotypes that they have to be a hairdresser or whatever, that <laughs> they can see other role models of successful people. Right. And that little boy or girl can say, you know what, I can be a cop too. You know what? All that little boy and girl see are uh, real estate agents. Correct. And they say, "Oh, that's why. That's why you became a real estate agent." Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, well, good. I'm glad you came back to that. I um, it's one of those things. And uh, you know what's interesting is sometimes we take the higher ground. I mean, sometimes we should fight, fight these things. And but sometimes it's a risk benefit ratio. There's a lot of other issues. And maybe we should just take the higher ground and wait for the prove ourselves other ways, or you guys prove yourself other ways. I guess. Agree, hundred percent. Yeah, good for you. Um, anything else? I don't think so. Thanks, you guys. Mm -hmm. um, thanks for listening, everybody. That's it. Uh, get back to work. Thank you. All right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>